verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. May God bless his word. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we have uh, many folks in our church that have physical needs, and we just lift them up before you. Father, I pray that you would bless and encourage uh, our dear flock and those that have various uh, serious challenges Pray that your grace would sustain them. Pray that they would look to you uh, daily as a source of strength and trust you when they do not understand what's going on. Increase their faith. And Father, I pray that you would make your presence known to each one of them. And a blessed Bible Baptist Church. And bless our fellowship tonight, Father. Help us to delight in your word because you have spoken. Father, you've not spoken through me. You've spoken through your word. And Father, the ability for me to rightly interpret your word will depend on and determine whether or not we are blessed by your word or just empty words. And Father, I pray that you would uh, just bless the scriptures tonight and help us to understand just how very important your communication to us is. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. All right, let's take care of our hymnals. We'll open up to hymn 616, Dwelling in Beulah Land, from 616. Please. So I'm in bed last night, and all of a sudden God starts talking to me. Oh, really? I hope that didn't sound natural to you. Uh, What about God talking to us? Have you ever heard someone say that? Like, God speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to talk about that because Jeremiah made that claim. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Jeremiah made the claim that God spoke to him. And uh, so we want to talk tonight about um, the origin of Jeremiah's oracles. Uh, Jeremiah was making some pretty steep claims that other people have made. But uh, when somebody makes this claim, like I just did stepping up and saying God spoke to me, I hope, especially today, I hope major alarms go off in your mind and in your spirit. Uh, Because there is something about that claim that God speaks to me. Now God has spoken And God does speak to us through His Word. Through His Word properly interpreted. And and yet, and so because of that, we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah for quite a while here. And it's important that you and I understand the source of Jeremiah's Oracles, and I'll explain what an oracle is in a few minutes here. 
But look at verse 2. We're in Jeremiah chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3 is going to be our text tonight. Again, it says the words of Jeremiah. I'll mention him again. We talked about him last week. Uh, the son of Hilkiah, the priest of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Verse 3. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim. These are huge claims that God, the word of the Lord, came to someone. It is not rare, even in Jeremiah's day, there were people that would claim to speak for God as if God had spoken to them. And it's so important that you and I understand, first of all, the seriousness of those claims. So three things we're going to look at tonight regarding the origin of uh, Jeremiah's message. And that is first, the importance of the source, the significance of the claim, and then the importance of the interpretation. So let's jump right in. Uh, look at verse 2 again. Speaking of Jeremiah, the, the son of Hilkiah, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. And then what we see in these two verses is God and Jeremiah is giving us a historical context. And when we talk about understanding how God has communicated, we talk about a literal, historical, grammatical interpretation. Now those aren't just a bunch of big fluffy words. They have meaning. They mean that, there, that God has communicated literally. That does not mean that there's not allegorical parts to God's communication. He makes that clear. Uh, Jesus said, I am the door. You understand he's not a door. So when we talk about literal, we're saying that God has communicated in the English language in a way that is comprehensible for normal language. So just as we understand communication, we understand that when people talk allegorically, that that's how we have to interpret it. And then, it's, and then it's grammatical. In other words, there's certain structure. We, it's important that we study the grammar of whoever's communicating. And then it's historical. If it's real, if it's really from God, and God really spoke, then it's important we put it in its historical context. Here's the amazing thing about the Scriptures. Here's an amazing thing about the Scriptures is that God is so wise that He could give us communication. He could give us a book that would not just speak to one culture or one time period, but would be endless and speak down through the ages. And that's what the Scriptures are. God has communicated to us in a way, you know, some people will write off parts of the Bible by simply saying, oh, that, you know, that's just written to, for them. Or, and that's, it's a legitimate thing. You, you and I have to consider the historical context. But a lot of people will discount the Scriptures and even believe that, well, you know, this is just a historical book. It's so filled with errors. And that's where you and I have to back up and realize God has communicated through His Word. So, I was at a luncheon recently of pastors, and um, <laughs> one of the guys, God bless him, 
he was very animated and um, he wanted us to know. He was a young guy, younger than me at least. And um, he was telling us that God spoke to him, you know, directly. And I, I was so blessed by, you know, to know the other pastors there. I could see them all bristling, you know. And, and inside I'm like, oh, really? And the, the one guy to my left was, you know, getting really upset about it. He's like, you know, and he was like trying to get into arguing doctrine. And I just, I realized that, you know, when somebody is, is somebody's got something in their mind, especially when they don't understand and they've not submitted to the scriptures, going to be wasting your time you know just arguing with them and if, if they don't believe in the authority of scripture and they can't be reasoned with biblically then you're wasting your time so i kind of had some fun with them during the meal you know when this conversation was going on i said um <clears throat> i interrupted i said uh, god told me that you need to give me your dessert you know and um, and everybody laughed. It kind of broke the tension. And then he, you know, I saw him. He's like, well, well, you know, that is in harmony with Scripture. And he was trying to, you know, and then he offered me his dessert. And that wasn't my point. You know, I was trying to just communicate. But again, I've come across people where if you're not going to submit to God's communication as he has communicated it, then you're just butting heads with someone. If they believe, well, God has spoken to me specially, and God has talked to me, then, then there's no reasoning with them. And Jeremiah says, the claim, the claim is made here that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah over a period of time. That's what's spelled out in verses 2 and 3. Two particular, the reigns of certain kings. And uh, this is a claim that Jeremiah often made himself to communicate that his oracles, his message, was not, he wasn't speaking of his own understanding of Yahweh, but rather, he, his, his message was of, of supernatural origin. He had stood in the council of God. And he makes that so very clear. Jeremiah 23, and verse 18. He puts this forward. He says, For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard His word? Who hath marked His word and heard it? It's an important question. Because Jeremiah was claiming to be that person. I have stood in the counsel of the Lord. This is not something that came from me. This is not something I'm dreaming up or something that I'm you know, that originates from me, I've stood in the counsel of God. And then in verse 22, speaking of those others who have given false counsel but claim to speak in the name of Yahweh, Jehovah, he said, but if they had stood in my counsel, this is God speaking now of these false prophets, if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from their evil of their doings. This is very important. Again, God says, of these false prophets, these people that were, in a sense, competing with, for Jeremiah's audience. You know, God had called Jeremiah to speak to the Jews. 
And he had a very stern, serious message of judgment that would affect these people in their very lives. The implications were incredible. By the way, folks, today, the implications of God's message goes far past the destination of what's going to happen in America. We are talking about the souls of people. And so God says, if they had stood in my counsels, if you know, which Jeremiah did, if they had stood in my counsels, and it co- they would have caused my people to hear my words. They should have turned them from their evil way and from their evil of their doings. So here's an insight. This goes all the way back, in our mind, it goes back to Jesus. In Jeremiah's day, it goes up to Jesus. In, jo- in Matthew 7, do you remember what Jesus said? You've heard me say this so many times. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Then what did he say? Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are they ravening wolves. Then in verse 16, the next verse he said, you shall know them by their fruits. And then he repeats that in verse 20. He talks about, um, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth uh, good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And that was true in Jeremiah's day. And this is God's point. You know, these, if these prophets who are claiming to speak in my name were really speaking in my name, then something would have happened because they would have been warning these people that they need to turn from their way, that judgment is coming. And they weren't doing that. Because there was only one prophet at that time to those people of Judah that were saying that, and it was Jeremiah. So what is an oracle? The origin of the oracle. The, or, the word oracle comes from Latin. By the way, Latin was not written, uh, it didn't exist in, in the Old Testament times. With, it was Hebrew. But Latin is very significant to us in our day, not because we speak it, but because of its, um, how much it has affected and kind of been a foundation in many ways of the English language. And so the word oracle is actually comes from the Latin oro, and it literally means to utter. So we're talking about the oracles of God. In other words, God has spoken. God has spoken. That word is found four times in Scripture. The word oracle. But I want you to, you don't need to turn there, but listen to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Because I want to set up tonight how important, and for you and I to understand, when somebody claims that God is speaking to them, that is so serious. And and it, it is often a tool to get people to, you know, draw, as Paul said, draw away disciples unto themselves. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners 
spake in time past. God spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And he did, didn't he? One of them being Jeremiah. So God in times past, in sundry times and diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by all Baptist pastors. Isn't that great? Have you, do you get hold of that? No, it doesn't say that. Has spoken to us in these last days unto us by his, by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Folks, the New Testament, which is God's utterance, the oracle of God, is the communication of Jesus Christ. The New Testament is his oracle, his utterance. Jesus Christ is the living word. The scriptures are the written word. And that... It needs to hold such a precious place to us. This communication is how we find God. Not somebody else. And anyone that claims to be a representative and speaking for God that does not communicate in harmony with this revelation, that is so dangerous. And yet there's people doing it all the time that are manipulating others. And it only takes a a verse quoted out of context here. You know, a little misapplication. Remember what Peter said of Paul's writings? Some of them are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, W-R-E-S-T, Old English word in King James, literally means to twist, to distort, or to do damage. That's what people are doing with the scriptures. Uh, But it's amazing. See, the devil even quotes scriptures because he knows there's power in them. Even wrongly interpreted. If you can misquote a scripture that seems to back up something you want to say, you'll get a whole lot of mileage out of that if you can attach it to a scripture. The question is, the unsuspecting people that are listening... Are they studious enough? Are they astute enough to be students of the Scriptures? To be Bereans? Say, wait a minute. Is that really what the Scripture says? You see, to claim that God has spoken to you, that's a really, really big deal. And it needs to be a big deal. So the importance of the source, Jeremiah says, God, the word of the Lord came to me. Then the significance of the claim. I want to take you back because again in verse 2, the word, whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. This is getting very specific. And by the way, the, the integrity of and the legitimacy of Jeremiah's message was very important. There's a lot of people even in his day, as I've already mentioned and quoted from, that claim to speak from God. But if this really was God's message, then it needed to be communicated and it needed to be preserved. You ever heard of Baruch? Baruch, Barak Baruch was uh, Jeremiah's scribe, you could say. 
He's the one that would write down these prophecies of Jeremiah because he understood these. This isn't Jeremiah's words. These are God's words. We need to write them down. These things need to be kept. That's why Peter, when Peter said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. There's an important... In fact, I'm going to have you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's a pretty, um, pretty important verse. There are people, again, that I mentioned that claim that God has spoken to them, uh, such as the man at the luncheon that I, that I was with, uh, but he wasn't the only one. And um, you automatically set yourself up when you say, God has communicated to me directly. You automatically set yourself up. Because if God isn't speaking at that particular time, or if He's already spoken, but you're now claiming that you get fresh revelation from God, you are setting yourself up for people to to listen to you over what God has already said, possibly. Look at this, look at First Samuel chapter three and verse one. First Samuel chapter three. And verse 1, and this is written for a significant purpose. The Bible says, And the child, Eli, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Now you say, wait a minute. Isn't the word of the Lord precious all the time? That's not the idea. This word precious has the idea of literally it's... It, it's rare. You know, precious gems are rare. And this word precious, and the Hebrew word that's translated precious, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Not that it was, oh, it was so more valued than any other time. No, it's saying it was rare. In fact, it says, there was no open vision. Why is this written? Because God... Remember what it says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets? God limited himself to when he would communicate and how he would communicate. And so, that's why in any age, someone that's claiming to speak from God, that is very serious. And if God is not really speaking to you, or if you are being deceived, remember what? Jesus told the disciples when uh, the disciples came up and they were really concerned about the influence uh, of the the religious teachers and the fact that they were offended by Jesus' saying. And Jesus said, leave them alone. I'm paraphrasing. Leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both fall in the ditch. Now you're talking about when somebody is leading someone the wrong way. They're going to fall in the ditch, and so will the people that they are leading. How important is that? So the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And the reason he writes that is because God is about ready to communicate. Remember? And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, And Samuel was laid down to sleep, and the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. Remember that? I love that story. 
Samuel. Samuel wakes up. What? Goes over to Eli. Hey, did you, did you say something? No, go back to sleep. And God was speaking to him. God was talking to him. And it was so rare that, that um, Samuel was not even like, conscious of that. And, and this plays out. But folks, it is important that you and I realize, again, the rarity. God in every age, at every moment, to every person, does not communicate directly and audibly. And it is important that you and I understand how He speaks so that we can understand His false representatives. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. On Wednesday night during our Bible study, I was talking about, um, and I, we talked about this in our Bible study. Uh, when, when Charlie was away, we started uh, what will probably be an ongoing series for a while. And how do, how do I understand my Bible? How do I rightly interpret, rightly divide the scriptures? And we mentioned, you remember, I've talked about it, I think, also during the message, the difference between exegesis and asegesis. Exegesis is allowing, out of, allowing the scriptures to speak for themselves. Asegesis is when we read into the scriptures our own interpretation. And anyone that tells you confidently and dogmatically, I never uh, would be guilty of asegesis, uh, I would say, oh really? You know, come on, if you're trying to study the scriptures, we are human. What are you saying? Your heart is not deceitful above all things? What are you saying? You are a perfect interpreter of the scriptures? I get it wrong. Don't you? I hope you do. Really? Yeah, because that means you can admit you're wrong. Oh, well, I take umbrage at that. Wait a minute. You and I have to be students of the Scriptures, so we allow the Scriptures to correct us. Can you do that? Have you done that? You know, there's a lot of people that will never get saved because they've never submitted the Scriptures. Oh, they quote the Scriptures a lot. They embrace, you know, a particular interpretation of Scriptures, but they don't allow the Scriptures to speak for themselves. And they are so convinced that they're right, that they're saying, hey, God has spoken to me, and, and case closed. So Peter writes this, and uh, this is important because when Jeremiah is communicating, and this, the word of the Lord came to me, again, he was not, saying, you know, here's my take on Yahweh. Here's my take on Jehovah. No. He was saying, this is, I've stood in the presence of the Lord, and therefore, He has spoken to me. So Peter said this. You remember, I've done this so many times, I hope you're almost, I've got, I hope you got it memorized. Remember the more sure word of prophecy? Remember the context of Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration? That's what Peter's talking about. Remember that? Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and glory of the coming of the Lord, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Imagine Peter saying, top that. We saw Jesus. Can you imagine how many arguments Peter could have gotten into after the resurrection and all? Hey, you know, he's in an argument with someone. Were you on the Mount of Transfiguration? Did you see Jesus transfigured? Now, James and John, they could have said, yeah, I did. But nobody else. He could have, he could have used that card to say, you, you didn't see Jesus transfigured. You didn't. And he's saying, you know, 
We're not following cunningly devised fables. We saw the Lord when he revealed himself in his glory. But Peter didn't do that. He did not take his experience and and put it against everyone else's experience. And he could have done that to puff himself up. But he said this in verse 19, 2 Peter 1.19, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Experiences are great. And some of them are life-changing. Some of them are confusing. But all of them must be sifted through the lens of God's word. And that's what Peter's saying. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in the dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first. Now this goes back to Jeremiah. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. This was not Jeremiah giving his spin on something he heard from God. This is Jeremiah. Uh, again, it says... but. No, no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So when Jeremiah, actually maybe Baruch, you know, penning the words, Jeremiah's revelation, it was God communicating through them so that you and I can be sure that Jeremiah didn't get it wrong. And that's what God did through his revelation. So now what's our challenge? This was what I, and I want to share a little bit of what I share with Wednesday night. Because God challenges every one of us to be students of the scriptures. I know a lot of people that I've ministered to over the years um, struggle with reading. Not everybody is good at reading. And, I, and some people just don't like to read. And that's fine. Except when it comes to scripture. Work on it. Listen to audio. You know, we have so many helps these days. So many apps where you can just listen to the Bible read by someone else. And it is so important. If you, if you really elevate God's Word, you believe, really believe that's how God has communicated, you need to get it in your hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So Second Peter 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the challenge, the challenge for us, is what was Jeremiah saying? In fact, that's what we're going to, our goal in this series, is not how many precious nuggets can I get out of Jeremiah that might tantalize us, so that people can say, wow, I never thought of that. No, what we want to do is we want to know, First of all, what, what was the message that God gave to Jeremiah? So we're going to have to learn his context, his history, where he was, what the message was, who it applied to. Before we ever think about making application, we have to have the right interpretation of it. And I shared an illustration that I'm going to share tonight because it, it, it reminded me, and it really does illustrate how things change over time. There is a saying uh, that I've used many times, and you've probably used it too. Um, and and it's, it's one of those observations about life. And it, it's, it's simply this. You've heard this probably. Familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that? 
Now, we use it the way I've used it, and I've always heard this used in, in the context is that the more familiar you get with someone, the, the more you take them for granted. You know, that familiarity breeds contempt. That the, again, uh, I, I, I think of this in, um, there's something to this. That people that are far away that you don't know, you know, there's a certain allure that that what you don't know about them, uh, the more you get to know people, the the less you can respect them because you know their faults and their weaknesses. But it goes even further than that. I've noticed in our church fellowship, um, being in the leadership, whenever we have a conference, I've noticed that it's very popular to have outside speakers. See, we have conferences. uh, Actually, we try to do it once a year where we have in-house speakers. You know what that means? It means all our pastors in the fellowship from Pennsylvania. There's a certain... Oh, it's okay. It's our guys again. It's people I know. It's friends I fellowship with. It's pastors. But I want to tell you, sometimes they are the best messages from these dear men of God. But there tends to be a certain allure when you have an outside speaker. Oh, we're going to have this guy from the wilds come. Oh, we're going to have this guy from Maranatha University come. Oh, it's a big speaker. You know, and there's something about that that, again, familiarity breeds contempt is we tend to take those closest to us for granted. Now, you know where that phrase came from? And again, this is not Scripture. It came from Aesop's fable. The story of the lion and the fox or the fox and the lion. I forget which comes first. The story is, though, that the fox, one day, and this is my paraphrase, loose paraphrase, Aesop's fable. We have now moved off of Revelation, so I'll make it quick because this will not be edifying to you. But So the fox sees the lion, and he sees him from a distance, and he's scared, and he, he hides from him. Because it's the ferocious lion. That's the first time he sees him. The second time he sees him, he gets a little closer and just from afar watches him. And then the third time he sees him, he approaches him. And they pass the time of day. And he asks, how's your family been? And then they part saying, I hope we'll see you again. And then the illustration, the example familiarity breeds contempt. Now, in this parable, in this story, the message isn't to the fox, it's to the lion. And the original message, when that first came out, was mainly a message that uh, would apply to and was used to, like, bosses. Like, oh, you don't want to become too familiar with your employees. They'll, They'll lose respect for you. And the idea of familiarity breeds contempt had a whole different meaning when it first came out. You know, kings, oh, don't get too warm and cozy with your subjects because they will lose respect for you. That was the idea of that phrase. Now, folks, please, we're not talking about a Proverbs. Okay, we're not talking about a scripture. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. You can disagree with Aesop's fables. But what I have marveled at is what that originally meant and how that phrase became part of common lore and has been passed down through the ages and the meaning has taken on totally different different interpretation simply because of what's convenient. The same thing happens with Scripture. 
you hear the wrong interpretation or you just you come across a scripture that seems to say something and or somebody preaches it one way and they may not be interpreting it properly but it sure sounds good and then we run with it and then it gets passed on down through the ages that's why in the bible there's a big difference between tradition and scripture sometimes scripture the message of Scripture is called tradition if it's passed down accurately. But the horrible thing about the religious leaders of Jesus' day is they transgress the Word of God by their tradition. In fact, they made the Word of God of none effect by their tradition. They were wrongly interpreting the Scriptures. So, the point, as we look at Jeremiah... And we think of this claim. I want to read to you. You've probably heard of this and share uh, an experience. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Just how important is it that you consider who's speaking, the source of the message. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 19, it says, God says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that he shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? It's a good question. So many people claiming to speak from God. How do you know which is of God and which is not? You know, so many people claim. He goes on. When it, verse 22, Deuteronomy 18.22, When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, thou, not, thou shalt not be afraid of him. In other words, don't, don't stand in awe of this person. When a prophet speaks a word in God's name, and it does not come to pass, he's automatically disqualified himself. I'm con- they're constantly reviving news stories, and I keep seeing this guy's name popping up over the years. Nostradamus. He, do you know that he predicted the Iraq War? I remember some article saying that. And I think... Uh, he actually predicted, you know, September 11th's attack. And it's, it just keeps popping up because he, he made a lot of vague statements. And you'll see different people say, he was like 95% accurate. And people stand back like, whoa. Well, according to God's word, is that a good thing? What do you have to be to be a prophet of God? Truly hearing from God. How many times does God get it wrong? Zero. And if you're going to be a prophet that hears from God, you have to be 100% accurate. I was ministering to someone um, over the years that claimed to hear from God. And um, this person had something happen in their life And uh, it was very serious, and the doctors strongly recommended a very drastic procedure. Now, this person had been in the habit, and many times would tell me, 
God said this to me. And uh, I've attempted to counsel this person and give direction in various areas. Uh, But if they did not like my counsel, uh, the way they could just, you know, outrule me was just say, well, God spoke to me. Okay, all right. Well, can you, what can you say if God spoke to them? And so this particular incident, the doctors were seriously saying to this person, you need this radical surgery. And this person said, no, no, God spoke to me and said no. And you know what? It ended up being the right choice. And that person would, you know, told you. But here's the thing, because my radar is onto this. There were so many times when this person would say, God spoke to me and said this. In fact, I remember specific, several specific situations where the circumstances changed. And in fact, now it would not be good to bring that up because everything changed. And now that counsel, you know, doesn't apply. And there were so many times I felt like saying, oh, wait a minute, I, I thought God told you back then, you know, in this. Of course, I would not do that. But here's the point. God speaks through his word. And would it would have been better in that scenario where it ended up working out right? It would have been better for this person to say, and I want to encourage you to this in this way. It would have been better for them to say, you know what, I prayed about it. And I'm not comfortable about it. And I don't believe the Lord will want me to do that. that. That's fine. You know, that is fine. You don't need, doctors are not the all-knowing people. You know, it's okay. You are the ultimate authority in your life as far as final decisions. You're going to answer to God for it. But to say, God has spoken to me, com- communicated to me. You better be sure that every time you say that, whatever's coming out of your mouth, you're going to live or die by it. And, you know, when, you, when we're not really hearing from God, well, one does. That's why we got to really stick to this book, study this book, let this book correct us. Even when we thought, oh, I thought I was following that the whole time. This is the authority, not this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us as students of the scriptures to value your word. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand how you've given us revelation and that the scriptures are so complete right now and full that that's how you communicate to us. That we're not going to get new revelation at this during this point uh, in history. We're not going to be getting extra biblical revelation. So Lord, help us to value and elevate the scriptures because what saith the scripture, what saith the Lord is the final question. And I pray that that would settle it in our minds. Help us to submit to your word. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.